Hey everybody, this is Dan Doty with the Everyman Podcast, and you are listening to episode two. Today my guest is Lucas Crump, an adventurer, international debutante, and uh, partner, business partner of mine, just an incredible guy. All the more incredible for the level of depth and vulnerability he is willing to share about himself. But before we dive in and tell you a little bit about what Everyman is up to right now, we are in the process of a big launch. Obviously, we're launching this podcast. We're about to launch a website. We're launching our social channels. And for the rest of the year, we're going to have some events that you can participate in. We run open source retreats, which are weekend retreats for men, which are set at lodges. This year, we're going to do some on the East Coast and some on the West Coast. And the reports of men coming out of these weekends is that they are incredibly, incredibly powerful and helpful and fun and an overall good thing to do. You come out a better man, a better husband, a better father. And I can say that with confidence. And uh, check it out. This year we're also going to be running a expedition based out of my home state, my current home state of Montana. We're going to do a backcountry expedition. It's going to be five nights, six days, lots of adventure, and uh, a level of brotherhood that very few people in our culture get to experience. Um, it's one of my biggest dreams I've ever had is to is to do this to do that exact thing so we're doing it this year you can find out about all of this go to www.everyman.co that's e-v-r-y-m-a-n.co or you can get a link to it from my personal website which is dan-doty.com that's www.dan-doty.com all right enjoy the show thank you all right good morning everybody it might not be morning where you are but sure is where i am right now i'm here with lucas crump my brother from another mother my partner not in an intimate sense at least not in a sexually intimate sense what's up lucas how are you doing man how's it going man describe your surroundings where are you um, I'm right here in the heart of the West Village in New York City, uh, sitting in my apartment, um, Sunday morning. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day. I can't wait to get outside. It's, uh, it's like that, that perfect Sunday, sunny, but it's still a little cold New York City morning. Um, yeah, I just, uh, did some meditation this morning. I'm feeling good right now so you're like you, you live in the west village right i live in the west village yep right in the uh right right in the heart of the west village charles street if anybody out there knows that um been here same apartment for about five five years now um i've slept on lucas's couch a few times and it is on a comfort scale i think it's uh I had like a six and a half out of ten, maybe a seven. Like it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But there's these Velcro things on the side when you take the cushions off the jabby in the back that are a little uncomfortable. But yeah, so Lucas and I and our other partner Sasha Lewis uh, of New York City and, and the company Flavor Pill, uh, we are together building and launching Everyman, which is a platform online. It, <laughs> Very simple. I'm I'm gonna give my elevator pitch, then maybe you should give yours too. Lucas, we can compare notes. But but we're offering experiences, education, 
and um, community for men who want to deepen their lives and become more of themselves. And so we're helping to help guys self-create their own men's groups all over the world. We're running retreats. We're running weekend retreats. We're running um, longer expeditions, outdoor expeditions, all with the foundational core of getting together with guys and going to the places that we generally don't go, you know, speaking to the things that we generally don't speak. And it's just this really, the <laughs> sometimes like today I think about it, it's just, it's so weird, but it's so simple. Um, and it's also what this podcast is all about. You know, we're, we're, we're practicing this other way of being together and communicating and what we're, what I've been finding for years, but now since we really dove into this, it's, it's, it's like a missing, it's a missing link to something, to something we're all looking for. That's my pitch. How was for it? Sure. Um, you, you got me, you got me. <laughs> no, I mean, for every man for me is an organization. Uh, it's a movement uh, to connect men with other men um, and help them to uh, develop deeper relationships uh, with one another um, so that we can support each other and, and really um, being uh, the person that we want to be, being, you know, the best partner, being the best friend, being the best husband, uh, being the best, you know, colleague, whatever it may be. Um, you know, I think when men challenge themselves to, to, to be more, they end up being more. And I think in many ways, um, you know, so much of our world has moved uh, into this, you know, uh, fast-paced online, you know, sort of connected with, with the screen and connected with um, yourself, but you're, we're not really connecting with other people. And, and, you know, certainly with every man, what we're really trying to do uh, is connect, connect men with one another um, and create uh, an opportunity to have a deeper conversation, um, which ultimately leads to deeper connection um, and stronger relationships. And I think, you know, by starting there, we can, uh, you know, we can change the dialogue and we can build a movement, um, which, uh, you know, puts, puts the truth, puts us on a different trajectory in, in our society today. Um, and you know, how we do that is obviously using, uh, tools and technology and, and, and a lot of, uh, uh, you know, just a lot of just a lot of belief and hope and, and commitment. I think uh, I think we're on we're on the right path. Cool. Yeah, I'm sold. <laughs> nice work. <laughs> um, one thing came up there, so I, I'm feeling a fork in my brain. Do I go do I go one or we'll tr- probably go both? But but one question that came up as you're saying that is, do you? I'm gonna play the blame game here. How much blame? So uh, let me back up. So what we're doing is creating a an open open space for for deeper connection for for guys to actually you know connect, and that's really really what it comes down to. So you mentioned how busy and fast and digital and online our lives are, but I'm curious as to what your opinion is. If we didn't have the internet, would what we're doing with men's groups and these retreats would they have the same impact or a similar impact? Do you think it's technology? How much of it is technology? I'm curious. Well, I think, uh, you know, the, I, I work in technology and I've spent my career working in technology and, uh, you know, it's, it's enabled me um, to do things with my life that I never thought I could. 
at the same time, you know, the technology provides us is, is a double-edged sword. Um, I think you look at what we're doing, you know, you know, everyman.co, you know, our website, you know, the tools and technology that we'll provide through that is going to help us to scale and grow this movement and, and touch more people. Um, you know, and so that regard, it's an incredible, it's an incredible resource for us. At the same time, you know, as more and more of our lives end up on social media networks and we, you know, learn from YouTube or, you know, or different types of content or we, or, or it's easier and more comfortable for us to text somebody or email at him is to pick up a phone, you know, that, that creates distance between, you know, between, between the, the human connections that, that we need and that we, that are, that are very natural and part of our everyday lives. Um, yeah. You know, I think about, you know, I think about my grandfather who was in the Rotary Club, you know, and I think about, you know, in the, in the, in the 60s and 70s, I think about the Shriners and the different types of organizations that have sort of came about, you know, the Masons or whatever it may be throughout history to connect people and connect men. And like somehow, you know, those were all offline, real one-to-one -one relationships. And I, and I wonder, you know, what would happen, what, what, what can happen if we get back to those offline connections? Um, but obviously we use technology to, to fuel, to get us there, to, yeah. to, to, to get us there for sure. No, that's so interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting. You bring up those, those examples too, the Shriners and then the Masons and yeah, well, and, it's, and, it's edgy. And, and, it's it's yeah. edgy to go there because those are what? What are those? Those are generally thought as secret organizations or secret society. Well, I mean, not the Shriners so much. Maybe I, I guess I don't know exactly. But even things like what are the other places that men historically have got together that we can think about? You can think about fraternities. Think about these things like the Masons. Yeah, fraternities, and, sports teams. Um, right. You know, I think I think church, whatever religion. Um, you know, in whatever type of worship provides the opportunity for people to connect, um, you know, it, with some shared belief. Um, and that inherently is a, you know, is a good thing and, and, you know, helps, helps to connect people offline. Um, you know, and I think, you know, there's, there's all type there's all types of ways that we connect. Um, but I definitely feel like we've, we've, you know, technology has gotten in the way of that connection. And we're really, you know, I, I look at that and say, well, how can we get back to that level of connection? Because that's what we need. Okay, so good. Let's let's just let's dive right into that then. So what will we get? What do we get with that level of connection? And why the hell do you care? Like, what is it about this that you're pursuing this? Why? why? And, you know, this is for the this is for the I mean, I've had this conversation with you sort of, but it always kind of changes. So, yeah, why? Why do you care? Um, what do we get and why do you care? I think what we get is we, we, we get, we get connection. We get uh, a, the physiological feeling, uh, you know, that, that, that happens when you sit across from another person or when you engage in a real dialogue, a real conversation. Um, and I think what, what happens there is you begin to feel what another person feels. You begin to see what they're feeling in their, in their emotions. You develop empathy, you develop understanding, you develop compassion, which ultimately 
helps us to, you know, soften the 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 walls or the, the, the you know the barriers that we've created around ourselves to protect ourselves, um, you know, from this world that we live in. And, and why should we do that? I'm playing devil's advocate here. Why should we even do that? I mean, we're not. Well, um, I mean, you, you ask me why, and I'll, you ask me why, and I'll and I'll and I'll take you there. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I um, I had a I had a difficult time uh, growing up. Um, you know, my father unfortunately was uh, had a mental disability, um, which caused him to to really struggle in his own life and um uh, you know i think he he did his best that he could as a as a man but ultimately um, the struggles that, that that he had with his with his mental disability forced him to um act out in, in ways that were, were extremely hurtful um to me and to my brothers and sisters and to my mother um and that caused a deep deep level of pain um, for me, I mean, physical pain, emotional pain. Um, but it also left me without, without safety, without protection, without feeling like that there was a, that I, that my father cared for me. Um, and so from a very young age, um, you know, I'd say eight, nine, 10 years old, um, I had to go within myself to protect myself and take care of myself. And can, I, can I can I pause you just for a second and just slow down a little bit because I you know you made a really big big statement that I think might be worth sitting on just for a second is that you felt unsafe as a child as a really young human and that your father didn't did you say didn't care for you didn't love you? is that what, I don't remember exactly the words you used but I just want to I don't know. Sit with that for a second. Explore that a little bit because I know there's a, that's, you're not the only one, right? But that's not something that's actually said aloud very much. We we don't really go there. You're, you're right. There's, um, there's a lot of shame associated with that. And, um, I think for many, many, many years I lived with a tremendous amount of shame, um, well, what does that mean? I mean, like, I know the word, but shame, 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 shame is a, I think it's a feeling of not belonging. It's a feeling of being different. Oh. It's a feeling of, of inadequacy. It's a feeling of, of you know, why me? Uh, I mean, shame has showed up in my life in so many ways, and it's impacted me in, in, in so many ways. And um, you know, I, I, I can just remember, you know, I felt shame when I was, you know, twelve years old, and and you know, all my other friends at school had these great, you know, or what what I perceived to be, um, you know mother and father and in this sort of perfect little little world and and i didn't have that you know i knew right. that i knew that i i knew that i was different i knew that i i knew that the, that the things that i had to endure and the, and the pain that i had to endure were, were different and that caused me um that caused me to feel different um 
and I had a lot of shame around that. Um, and I think in many ways it sort of stunted my, my growth, uh, in certain areas of my life. So you felt cast out, you felt different, you felt not a part of, you felt like you're missing out. Did you feel like you're missing out on something? Was that a, was that clear? Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I felt like I missed out on something my whole life. Uh, I missed out on the opportunity to have a dad, you know, I missed out on the opportunity to, to have a real deep relationship with somebody that you trust and you believe in it's somebody that you feel is going to protect you and take care of you and, and be there for you. Um, that I, I meant, I, you know, I, I still feel that way, you know, mm-hmm. Sunday, Sunday afternoon comes around. My, my dad died seven years ago. Um, you know, and I don't think he ever could have been the dad that I wanted him to be, but at the same time, you know, I'll be in a coffee shop and somebody picks up the phone and says, hi, dad. And it says, you know, it just the, the pain that, that, that goes into my heart is, is real. Um, cause I don't have that and I never had that, but you know, on the other side of that, Dan, and we've talked about this before, um, I have a tremendous sense of gratitude for the life that was given to me, um, because it's enabled me to be the man that I am today. And, um, you know, you said, you say why every man, like I've been on this journey to, to figure out my own, you know, to find my own peace for, you know, 20, 20, 20 years, 25 years. Um, and I, I don't think I'm unique. This isn't a conversation about, oh, poor, poor me, nothing like that. We all have deep, we all have different circumstances, but, you know, I think that, I think that I can share my journey with other people and I can help them, um, to not feel that shame and, and to come forward and have a conversation around that and help, you know, and, and, and help each help one another. Um, you know, I'm, really curious. I'm curious about that and I'm curious about, I've been becoming curious about it in myself too, but what the, <laughs> what you just said, that urge to, you know, when, when you can look back and take what you learned and what, what you've experienced and, and not just tell other people about it, but really show up for them as they're doing the same thing. God, that's compelling to me. It's, it's such a, I'm wondering if, if, I don't know if I'm communicating it clearly, but there, there seems to be an urge. So we do one of these weekends together. Um, you could bring 30 guys together and do this. And then, you know, it's, it's scary to start. And then, and then it's becomes this thing that just happens. And then afterward, there seems to be such an immediate, um, response of, okay, now, you know, what do I do with this? Where does this go? How can I help? How can, how can I, I mean, the, the amount of guys that just are stepping up to, to help is wild. And I, I don't know. I think there's something, I don't know what it is. Well, I know what it is. I mean, I, I, um, I'm, I was very blessed. My mother made a tremendous sacrifice for me and, and, and my, my brothers in my life, knowing that we didn't have uh, a father to give us guidance. My mom actually took a job, um, at a, at a Jesuit high school, all boys Jesuit high school working in the cafeteria. Um, so that, 
we would be able to um, to go to school uh, at this at this all male Jesuit school because my mom really felt like we needed um, you know strong you know strong male uh, community and, and 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 you know guidance and you know in the Jesuit tradition there's there's what's called a man for others um, you know and I went to a lot of masses and I did all this stuff and you know I'm not I'm a, not a religious person I'm a spiritual person but if there's one thing that I took away from my that 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 education that experience it's a man for others and we inherently we we feel better we're better people when we when we make our lives about other people it, it provides us a sense of of feeling that we we have something that we can give that you can you can do something for other people and that level of of, of giving and generosity it, it, it pays itself back in spades quite frankly um, do you think in, in practical real ways or do you think in just some sort of mental or imagined sense? Well, I, I think in, I think, I think in, in many ways, I mean, I think, you know, just the practice of, 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 you know, and, and, and I'm, I don't, you know, I don't say you, 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 you walk around and you just, you, you know, you, you do everything for everybody anywhere, anytime, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I certainly don't do that. Um, but I think when you stop and take a moment and you say, what can I do for this person? What can I give this, this, this brother right now? Is it support? Is it encouragement? Is it guidance? Is it listening? Um, that inevitably makes us feel better. And it forces us to slow down. It forces us to get out of our own heads and get out of our own shit that, that we're worried about. And, and think about the other guy. Think about the other man, what his struggle is. And when we do that, we, we, we soften ourselves and we begin to become more compassionate and more understanding and more loving and more caring. Um, Are we not supposed to? I, I love this. I'm like getting to, to be the interviewer that I've always wanted to be. <laughs> Aren't we not supposed to do that? Aren't we not supposed to be compassionate? I mean, aren't we supposed to get ours? Uh, men, Lucas, we are, you know, American men. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think we are, I, I think we are. And I don't think, um, I don't think you, I, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I think the path that we've taken to get the things that we think provide us the level of happiness that we're supposed to have, um, it ultimately falls short because there's never enough of those. There's never enough of those things. I mean, I think about it in my own life. I mean, I literally ran around the world for 10 years of my life, seeking more and more adventure, uh, looking for more and more women that I could, that I could sleep with, you know, trying to, trying to do more and more drugs that would, get me get me high and get me to, to feel better and then I tried to make more and more money and I got to a point where it's like I had all of that shit I, I made more money than I ever thought I would um, in my life growing up as a poor kid in Kansas you know I'd slept with tons of women I'd done tons of drugs I'd done all, I'd been all over the world and I still wasn't fulfilled I still wasn't happy 
you know, it, yeah. it kind of, it, you know, I, I was like, fuck, I've got all, I've been, you know, chasing this shit my entire life and it gets tiring and yeah. I, I didn't have any of it. Um, and, you know, when I really started to step back away from that and say, you know, what, what is going to make me happy? It's interesting because I still have, you know, my, 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 you know, I still have so many things that I, that I chase, but my relationship with those things is completely different. It's completely changed uh, as a result of, of stepping back and, and trying to find a deeper connection with myself and with other, with other men. Interesting. I got to make a side note here. I just realized that uh, uh, my first guest was Steve Wallingford. He's from Kansas and you're from Kansas originally. I just gotta say that that's a complete, that's a, that's a complete uh, act of fate and and accident. But it's interesting. I think in like looking at the map, we're kind of starting in the heart. Some we're starting the heartland somehow. So yeah, man, I I love. Uh, I could sit and listen to your stories of of your. Uh, I mean, you lived abroad, and not just like. Yeah. Not just like, you know, <laughs> sort of tourist in Paris or something. Just list off the places you, you lived. I've seen this this guy's, I've seen your passport. It's one of the, it's like a beautiful work of weird art. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, just um, like list it off because it, it's it's startling. Yeah, no, um, and it's, uh, it's interesting because it's one of the things that I'm most proud of. Um, but it's also... And I, and I would say proud in a sense that I had the courage to sort of just, you know, put fear aside and go and, and have these experiences. But also, um, a lot of the a lot of the years, I wasn't I wasn't happy, and I didn't get out of that experience what I what what I what I would have had I been in a different place, had I been where I'm at now in my life. Um, but no, I, I grew up in Kansas, um, you know, something that I'm, uh, if anybody out there that knows me, I'm very proud, uh, of being from Kansas. Um, you know, and what that, what that means to me is just a real, um, what does that mean to you? Cause I'm not all that proud of being from North Dakota. I mean, I am, but I don't like where it is. I mean, at. being from Kansas, I, I mean, I just think that there's an inherent level of Midwestern values of, of knowing your neighbor. Of practicing a certain level of kindness, of operating from a, a level of modesty, um, you know, we're, you know, we, you know, we live our lives, and we, and, and people, I feel like, work hard from there, and 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 they, they're there because they because they've chosen to maybe not pursue the the fast track, you know, maybe they sort of want the the slower track, and that allows them to maybe experience some different things in their life at the same time all i all i wanted to do was get the hell out of there when i was yeah. when i was 21 22 years old so so as you mentioned dan yeah I, I took a job abroad um which was a very interesting way that i that i did that my mother um had an exchange student when she was in uh when she was in high school and i think that that you know kind of opened my mother up to the fact that the world was a much bigger place than kansas because she like me grew up in kansas um and my mom, you know, despite us being, you know, probably close to or below the poverty line, um, worked 
worked a second job to take me and my siblings overseas um, when we were like when I was like 16 years old, and I and I can remember being in Paris. You know, we stayed. I think we slept. You know, all five of us in a room and ate cheese and bread um, in a youth hostel. But we were in Paris. You know, my mom was very proud of that, and I'm I'm, I'm grateful to her for that. Um, but I can remember sitting there and saying, "Man, if my life like if I ever had to work like a shitty job, like." I would prefer to work a shitty job in Paris. And when I graduated from college, I was like, well, what the hell am I gonna do? And this company um, that I found wanted to, wanted to basically put me on a, um, uh, it was like a, a traveling salesman job, but the, the traveling was to all kinds of developing countries. So um, I started out in Uganda and East Africa. I lived there for, for seven or eight months, uh, spent some time in Sub-Saharan Africa. Then I was in the Caribbean. Uh, Rupert Grenada, St. Lucia, St. Kitts, and then I uh, spent about eight eight months in Egypt, um, living and working in Cairo, and then also um, you know spent a, a lot of time in the middle Middle East, Lebanon, Bahrain, Dubai, Oman, Qatar, um, and then uh, and then went on vacation in Thailand, um, and a friend of mine was living and working in Thailand, and he uh, he asked me if I wanted his job, and, and um, he, he worked for the company that I, that I started out with, or he, he did. And, and it was funny. I said, yeah, sure. I'll take your job. And, um, so I went and got a suit made, uh, cause I was, I was hanging at the beach the entire time. And I went and, and did it. What color was it? <laughs> it was a gray suit. Um, it cost me, uh, five, it cost me 5,000 baht, which was like $125. <laughs> um, so I walked in and I got this, uh, I got this job at this media company, um, and I ended up spending uh, close to five years in Thailand, um, living in Bangkok, um, but I did a significant amount of work in India, uh, China, um, you know, the rest of Southeast Asia. And then, uh, you know, at some point Thailand, I just, I was over it um, and actually ended up moving to Singapore um, to pursue uh, a couple of things, went to, went to business school and also um, had a couple of of uh, entrepreneurial activities going on in Singapore and spent three years in Singapore. And, um, you know, those, those, those years in Singapore were the hardest by far. A lot of, a lot of shit happened when I was there. Before uh, we get to that, let's, let's, let's like, let's dive into the, I mean, my uh, adventure, my, the, my adventure part of me is, uh, I don't know, lit up right now. And I, I, I just don't want to blow past all of that. That's amazing. The first thing, I don't know, man, like five years in Bangkok, I spent, I don't know, 10 days in Bangkok. And it was one of the weirdest, it was like the most bizarre drug trip just being there. It was so <laughs> wild. And I guess, I guess what I want to get to, like my, uh, I started my international travel my my sophomore year of college, and, and I went and lived in England for a year because my girlfriend really wanted to, and otherwise I never would have done it. And uh, but I, I so I want to slow down, and I want like what did it do to like what was the take a, take me into one or two moments in that I mean I can't even imagine all of that lived experience in all those places, right? I know for me when I went abroad for me the clear thing was like holy shit <laughs> like the the world I, I was you know i was midwestern pretty sheltered and hadn't really been out and i got out and i was like oh 
Okay. Okay. There's so much more going on than I ever thought was possible. So I I wanted to share that, but I also um, I don't want to just blow past 10 years of, of adventure for you. Like what was the, I don't know, take us into it somewhere. I don't care where. Yeah. I mean, it was funny because I ended up in Bangkok, you know, after having lived in Uganda and Egypt. So I'd already sort of... <laughs> I already, I'd already had the holy shit moment. You know, I can remember touching okay, down. Okay, so and, take me to a holy shit moment. What did that feel like? Uh, I mean, a holy shit moment. Um, uh, a holy shit moment. I mean, I remember landing in the at, in on the in Entebbe Airport in in outside of Kampala, Uganda, um, having never been to any type of developing country ever in my life, getting off of this plane and driving into Kampala and just seeing a world, I mean, just a world that was so, I mean, I could have been on fucking Mars. It was so different than anything that I had ever seen. And I was, I mean, I don't think there was any fear. It was just excitement. It was excitement that, that I was in a different place. And and what it was, was it was a distraction for me. It was a distraction of, away from, you know, some of the struggle and some of the, some of the, the pain that I'd had growing up, quite frankly. Uh, and so I just threw myself right into it. I mean, there were so many holy shit moments. I mean, one of, the, one of the, you know, one of the moments that I remember most vividly, I played rugby when I was in Uganda. And, um, we had a good rugby game. We had a big rugby weekend. Um, and uh, one of the guys left the... Uh, the clubhouse open and um uh after the game after we you know sort of had the game had the celebration beers and whatnot at the clubhouse and some guy left it open and then you know some villager snuck into the clubhouse and uh and shot and then the security found him in the in the clubhouse and just shot him and killed him and the, the coach uh reminded us that you know after the game we should definitely make sure that we close the or we should lock the clubhouse uh because you know, people could get killed. And I, and I was just standing there like, just shot and killed him, you know, just no big deal. Um, <laughs> you know, and then it was like, oh, and then on to the other, you know, announcements of, 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 you know, what the week looks like for practice. It, I mean, I was just like, holy fuck. Um, Man, we live in a cheesecake factory. Here yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I can remember, uh, you know, shit, man, you want to go to the bank? Uh, you want to go get money out of the bank in, you know, in, in Uganda in, I guess what, 2003, I used to have to wait in fucking line for three days, for three days. I would pay people to wait in line to go. And, uh, so I could go in and get some money out. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not kidding. <laughs> like literally it was like three days, you know, people wait for a fucking iPhone. Like th- this was next level, man. This was a necessity, not some piece of electronics. <laughs> I'm really interested in these holy shit moments. I've I've been reading some some articles on some research, and I don't have all my clear facts straight about this right now. But there's research that's like neurological research that is showing that as we experience something brand new, and we have this um, you know completely new experience to us, you know there there is real neurological growth or our 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 inner world is physically shaped by what we're experiencing on the outer world. And, and there's also a release of, 
I don't remember if it's dopamine or, or uh, which of the neurotransmitters or the good stuff, right? But there is a hit. You get a hit. And, you know, reading that now and thinking about it now, I mean, that's so true. Man. Oh, I, 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 I mean, and dropping. I was chasing that, you know. Oh, I was I did chasing too. that I did high. for a long time. And it's uh, interesting, and we don't have to go down this road, but I think chasing that not only in international travel, but chasing it with drugs, chasing it with sexual experience chasing it with i mean anything first part of my life it was reading a new book right i mean that i feel like that was like a a hit of maybe a similar thing but then i got out of college and it was like oh man life itself is well you know many multiplicital times more than uh more exciting than, than a book or whatever but yeah anyway and, yeah, so, you, so know, you were a professional I was, chaser of i was a, i was a professional chaser um in every, you know, I mean, I have an addictive personality, um, you know, and it's benefited me tremendously in some areas and it's, it's hurt me in other areas. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was definitely chasing the next adventure, the next thing that was going to be more extreme than the other, you know, go from Uganda, then you go to Egypt, you know, it's like, wow, okay, from Egypt, you go to Lebanon, you know, and and like, there was a real desire to to like, see the world and have experiences. But there was also, you know, something that was really driving me inside to like, see more, see more, do more, do more. Um, You know, holy shit moment in Egypt, man, I used to have, I mean, like, there was not a day that would go by when I would not get into a traffic jam with like, you know, I, I roll, I had a, I had this driver Hamdi that I, that, you know, basically a, a, a taxi cab that I, he got picked me up one day and I asked him if I could pay him like 20 bucks a day to drive me for the next six months. And he was, you know, it was, the, it was like winning the lottery for him. We, we rolled around in like a 1965 Peugeot with like a, you know, um, a bolt on air conditioner in the 120 degree, uh, Cairo heat. But there was not a day that go would go by that I would not get into a fucking traffic jam with like, um, you know, a herd of goats and, uh, you know, a brand new Mercedes Benz and a, a bus full of, you know, God knows who coming from God knows where. And like, we would just sit there and this guy, Hamni would just be like, inshallah, you know, God willing, like God decided that this was going to be where we were going to yeah. be at this moment. And, you know, or, or like we'd get into a freaking car. I mean, they, they get into car accidents in Cairo, like, you know, like it's having, like you're having breakfast, man. And it would just be like, Oh, inshallah, you know, God willing, you know, that's the moment. And I would just like sit there. I'm like, Holy shit, man. I'm like, I'm living in another planet right now. <laughs> it, it, but, 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 and it's weird. Cause I know Dan, you've heard me say this, but the uncomfortable became the comfortable. Yeah. What you a know? gift. And that an ultimately, but ultimately, but you know, you know, my journey you know, it was easier for me to live overseas in an uncomfortable, weird environment. Right. Than, you know, living at home and relating to other men that were just like me. That's great. No, I, you know? I get it. I just wanted to make sure we took some time to celebrate that because there's something really like badass and beautiful about all that too. You know, we could go right to the, I know, I know there's an element that you, you know, were sort of, Maybe uh, uh, you've shared this with me before, and I think you've alluded, alluded to it here, but you were sort of, you know, putting off something by going away from home. But at the same time, man, geez, like a young oh, yeah. man 
exploring the world. What? There's like, that's just fucking, that's just. Oh, fucking. it was incredible. You know, I think it's like 60, you know, I, don't know, I haven't added it up lately. Probably, probably 60, 70 countries. Um, yeah. It's incredible. You know, and, and, and some incredible experiences and, and memories and things that I will cherish for the rest of my life. Um, but, you know, I did that for 10 years. My entire 20s uh were overseas so i grew up i went i went from kansas to uganda to everywhere in between before i'd actually lived and worked in my own country alongside people that were you know for the most part similar to me and with the same sort of education and and, right you know the same sort of north american or american upbringing um i didn't i didn't even i didn't experience that until i was 33 years old Um, And that's an interesting part of my journey. And it's funny because I look back on that now and like, I'm like, wow, that was an incredible chapter in my life and who I am. I want to introduce something to kind of help frame this because it's just coming to me real strong right now. You know, we talk about uh, maybe you've heard about the the hero's journey, which is a a life cycle or sort of a pattern, an archetype, archetypal journey that humans go through. I like calling it a human journey rather than a hero's journey. I think it's a little um, Mm. cheesy. But anyway, very much in a nutshell, it's it's a uh, it's used as the format for a rite of passage or initiation for young men to grow into older men and w- women too, females too. I'm just so male focused right now. Um, and it is you get a call, you get a call to action or a call to adventure. You take that adventure, you you take that call, you answer it. You go away from home, and that could look like anything. That could be in the mountains. That could be through a drug experience. That could be through a relationship. That could be what you did, which I'm just so uh, lit up by. It was like exploring the world, right? Like a like an ultimate exploration, taking this call to adventure. And then, generally speaking, there becomes a challenge. There becomes a... And becoming overwhelmed by this challenge, getting to a place of despair or hopelessness. And at that moment, you're alone in the world. And at that moment, you know, say alone with your creator, if that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. And then usually then there's something there's something the next wave, right? It doesn't end there. I mean, it could end there, but then you come out, you're much, much stronger. And then you go home and share your gifts with your community. That's that's yeah. the that's like the mythical structure. And so, I mean, I feel us going down that road as you share your story, right? So you, you, you went out, you had this, you felt this call to adventure for whatever reason and you answered it and you went and then, yeah, you you alluded in Singapore, your last three years, those were the hard years. So what, what was the, what was the process out of this chapter? Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a couple of things. One, um, you know, I didn't, there was a period when my, you know, my, my father, my, my father had a stroke, he got sick, my, you know, there was other sort of, you know, I, things that, things that occurred when I was overseas. And, and quite frankly, like I, I carried around so much pain and so much shame and, you know, my heart hurt for, for many years. Um, and when I was abroad, it was a distraction. It was a distraction from really facing the reality of um, the fact that, you know, I didn't want to deal with my, you know, my dad tried very hard later in life to, to, to make amends with me. And I didn't want to fucking deal with that. So I just stayed abroad. And, and the, the crazy thing was, is that 
you know, and I think this is something that you've heard me talk about a lot, but, um, you know, when I was abroad, everybody thought that that was the most amazing thing ever. And I had something that other people didn't have. So for the first time in my life, I was different and I was different in a way that I was there that, that I thought that people were impressed with. So other men, my age, I didn't, I, I, I was playing on a different level. You know, we always compare yeah. ourselves, you know, and I didn't have a dad and I didn't have this other shit that a lot of people around me had. But I had this crazy ass journey of living on the other world, other side of the world, doing all these amazing things. And I, I, I held on to that so tightly because it was part of my identity. It made me different. And at the same time, it also gave me it was a distraction. It was a distraction from from the pain that I that I felt. Um, you know, and while I was on that journey, I, you know, I just, I basically lived without any boundaries or any rules because, um, you know, it's not like anybody was looking after me. Um, I was looking after myself. And quite frankly, I'd been looking after myself since I was 10 years old, uh, right. trying to figure out how to grow myself up. So it was a very normal, it was actually a very normal situation for me. It felt normal and comfortable to be in this scenario where it was just me in the world and I was having to figure it out. And I was, you know, sort of defending myself from having to deal with the shit that I really actually needed to deal with. And, you know, one of the things that I learned how to do um, is I learned, I trained myself to disconnect my head and my heart. I had so much pain in my life. Um, you know, at the, at, at the hands of my father and other struggles that went, went on in my life. I had so much pain that I figured out. And especially when I was overseas, I, I, I missed my family. I missed my family tremendously. Um, but I was also afraid to go back and, you know, and face being just like everybody else and, and, and dealing with that pain. So I sort of like convinced myself that I needed to stay overseas and I also learned how to disconnect my head and my heart. And I became a very, very hardened person. Um, emotionally, I just turned off. I, I just, I figured out how to turn, turn it off. Um, and while I was overseas, uh, you know, and turning off my emotions, it allowed me to not be homesick. It allowed me to not really give a shit about other people. You know, it allowed me to kind of just fucking you know, run rampant in the world as I saw fit because I was entitled and that's what, uh, that's what I deserved. And I just didn't really have any compassion or, 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 you know, any emotion so for any, any other people. <laughs> what, what broke that open? <clears throat> well, when I was abroad, um, in, in very close succession, my, um, my grandmother died. Um, and, my grandma was very close. My, 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 my grandparents, my mother's parents, um, growing up in a very sort of chaotic, uh, you know, how home with my father and everything else. My, my grandparents' house was like an oasis. It was like Switzerland. Um, wow. and so I was very connected to my grandmother and my grandfather and they, they did whatever they could to, to provide us the most normal of circumstances in, in our, in our childhood to give us, you know, some peace. Um, and so I was very, very close to them and my grandmother died and my mom called me and she said, well, you, are you going to come back? And I just said, no. Um, cause I did not want to, 
I, I told myself that living overseas, that was what was going to happen. And I didn't have to, I just had to accept that. And so I didn't go back. And so my grandmother died and I didn't go to the funeral. And this was somebody that, you know, I put my grandmother on the same level as my mother. Um, I just, I just turned off. I didn't go back. Um, and then my grandmother and then my grandfather died, uh, you know, you know, a year, year and a half later. And then I didn't go back again. I just said, you know what, I'm, this, this happens when you're overseas. I need to accept that. Um, you know, and about a year, two years after that, um, I'm the city. Did Shanghai. you actually not go home at all during your time abroad? I, I did. I used to go home once a year, once oh, a year. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. And, uh, and my mom would come visit. My siblings came to visit, but yeah, once a year. And then, and then about two years later, after my grand, my, my grandfather died, I was, um, I was in Shanghai and, um, I don't know if out there, anybody out there uh, knows, remembers Blackberry Messenger, but I got a Blackberry message from my sister that said, Dad's dead. And I was at dinner. And I looked at that message and I said, okay, Dad's dead. And I just, I, I mean, I think I fucking went home and just went to bed and woke up the next day. I was actually in business school at the time. I was taking a class and I went wow. to school the next day. I went to this, this course the next day and I said, okay, uh, my dad died. And people were, I mean, like the look on people's faces was unreal. And I can remember, I just, uh, I was like, well, what's the big deal? And, and I had just turned, I, I didn't, I didn't feel any emotion around that. And, you know, um, I didn't, I obviously didn't go back for that funeral either. And then, you know, a couple months later, um, I, I, I have what I would call a, uh, an emotional volcanic eruption in my heart. Um, Whoa. I woke up in the middle of the night and, uh, I had never felt so much emotion in my body, like, like pulsating, like, like wow. emotion and feeling pouring out of, of, of my body and my, I, I couldn't even handle it. I couldn't even control it. I actually, it was so overwhelming that I was like, I, maybe I need to maybe commit suicide. I maybe need to kill myself. Cause like, I, this is so un foreign and fucking weird. And I, I couldn't handle it. Um, and I was all alone in my house in Singapore and, uh, I walked out of the front door and I got into a taxi and the guy said, what's, what's wrong with, where do you want to go? And I said, take me to the hospital. And he said, well, what's wrong with you? And I said, I don't, I don't know. And, uh, the next day I woke up in a mental hospital in Singapore. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, in, in a mental hospital and I was, I had, I had totally fucking lost it. <laughs> um, because I, I it, and I spent, um, I spent a couple weeks in, in a mental hospital and I, and I just was, I was, I was paralyzed with, with emotion and fear and anxiety and sadness and, and shame and, and all I, I, I just this whole range of emotions that I had never ever ever felt um, were now being sort of dropped on me <laughs> um, that's so wild it's like it literally <clears throat> filled up the the tank until it got too full and pressurized and just blew huh oh yeah it was it was it was an eruption I mean yeah. there's nothing I don't even know any other way else to describe it and you know my my cousin uh, who's you know one of my my best friends, my cousin Bert called me, you know, I connected with him and he just said, look, man, 
like get on a get on a plane and I, and I can remember trying to rationalize being like well what am I going to do like what my job I'm going to like lose my job and I'm not going to live abroad anymore and like this is going to lose my he's like he's like get on the fucking plane wow and I, I mean I just I flew flew home I flew to San Diego and he picked me up and I spent a couple of weeks in his uh his his pool house just trying to make sense of what what I'd just gone through um, because I, I, I was putting the pedal to the metal on full overdrive for 10 years of my life, running away from the pain and the, and the, and the shame and the sorrow and all this shit that I, that I endured. And I just ran, I just ran away from it. And I used this opportunity abroad to distract myself, but you know, as it does in our, in our society, as a man, people looked at me and said, wow, you're doing, you're doing amazing things. Like right. you're doing right. amazing. Like you you got this job yeah. and you're living overseas and you're making money. All these people were like, I mean, my, I was getting acknowledged and, and looked upon highly for the pain that I was causing myself, sure. you know, and, and, and nobody knew. Nobody knew <laughs> like, you know, my weakness had become my greatest strength because it was actually fueling this, this chase to get these things that I thought I needed to have. And in the end, it just didn't, it didn't work. <laughs> uh, what an incredible story, man. Like seriously. And, and, yeah. And, and I, and I think that that's when, you know, in, in a 12-step in a group or, or anything else, we talk about, you know, HP, a higher power. Like, that's when I, that's when I sort of began to become spiritual in a, in a, in a big way. Um, and, I, and I, when I mean spiritual, I, I know a lot of people out there know that I like, I, you know, not in a religious sense. And, and just the fact that, like... Well, you, I, I'll just explain it to people. Lucas only wears white. And he chants uh, mm. more than he talks. I do chant. I, I love a good chant, and I'm always the uh, I'm always the the uh, the most normal bro at the chant, which is always a fun experience. But well, that's one thing I really appreciate about you, and I appreciate it from the moment I met you. Is, is that yeah, you 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 are you are all of that. You you are as sort of dude like and bro like as as anyone I know, and. And you're not ashamed or afraid or blocked anymore from the other deeper parts of life, which is, man, that's, that's, that's where we're going. You know, I love that. That's, yeah. That's and, and, no, and I think you're right. And then, you know, and, and, and during that process, I mean, I, I started, you know, after that coming out of that experience, I actually, you know, doubled down and did spend a couple more years in Singapore after that, my cousin, um, ended up moving over to, to be with me. And it was the first time I'd had, you know, sort of family and connection. Um, he was going through his own struggle in his own life. And I, I learned a tremendous amount from that struggle with him. And then it, and then it got to a point where I, I just, I decided that, you know what, this chapter is closed. I need to go home. And I can remember making that decision and, and, and being so afraid, I mean, I came back to the United States to look for a job after I'd made this decision. And I sat on my 
I, I was sleeping on my sister's couch and uh, I just would cry in the middle of the night. I would just cry because I was so afraid of, of not being able to find a job or not being able to kind of come back to the United States and start to live amongst people that were more like me. I, I, was, I was terrified. Um, and I was also much more emotional because I'd sort of broken my heart open. Um, yeah. And I sort of now I'm sort of tapping into emotions that I never thought existed. Um, and uh, it, it worked out. But, but you know, and, but that was only one part of the journey because the next part of the journey was then making the decision to come and live in New York City um, after spending 10 years abroad. And getting dropped off into, you know, one of the most competitive, fast paced, um, dynamic places in the world and not ever having lived in this type of environment amongst other men hmm. that were my same age, that, hmm. that had more than me, that had different jobs and found different types of successes. And I, I mean, that's it. Did it feel like did it feel like you'd proved yourself in a different environment where you were sort of different, but now you were going to bat? Was it like a new challenge in a sense? Oh, it was a new. It was a, it was a completely new challenge, and in many ways, it was far more difficult, and it has been far more difficult than than living overseas. I could do that. You know, drop yeah. me off anywhere. I'll figure it out. It doesn't really matter. Drop me off in New York City at, at 33 years old, having never lived you know, as an adult in the United States, having never like gone on like a normal date, having normal, like having like a, you know, a bro night, like I'm having to figure out all this shit. Now, now all of a sudden I'm surrounded by people that have, you know, more money and better education and more, you know, more better family background. What all this different shit. And I'm just, I'm like in the, I mean, I spent years just comparing myself, comparing myself. Interesting. And, and right and, now, right now, are you still doing that, or where are you, where are you right now in your life with yourself uh, and, and all of that? Right now, I could not be. Right now in my life, I'm right where I'm. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, and what that means for me is I'm. I'm becoming the person. I'm becoming the man that I want to be. Um, after having had to, to grow myself up for, for, for 20 plus years, um, I'm finding a, a level of peace and content in my heart that I never thought really existed. Um, I still struggle, um, but quite frankly, the connections that I've been able to make, you, you know, with with men in my life has really helped me to you know it's just propelled me to a different place um yeah i'm in i'm in a good spot man i'm in i'm in a good spot <laughs> yeah amazing to hear that i don't think you can hear it, lucas but uh, i hear you and i hear my baby crying in the background so <laughs> if, any, if anybody hears that that would be duke Duke, Duke is a man. He's, cool. be, he's the uh, he's a baby man, as I like to call him. <laughs> he, I don't know. Have you ever seen any human being literally bl 
big bubbles with their boogers? Have you maybe. ever actually? Other than I, maybe, I, I think somewhere down deep, you probably have that skill, but uh, no, no, I haven't. No. I, I'm, I didn't even possible. I'm aspiring to that level. <laughs> the most viscous boogers right now. He's got a cold. Lit- and I'm not joking. He had one yesterday about half the size of a golf ball. Like, <laughs> they're beautiful. They're. <laughs> I didn't know they were. Uh, I thought I just didn't know it was possible. It's pretty amazing. I, I love a good booger. That's for sure. Uh, well, cool, man. We should we should probably get close to wrapping it up. I uh, think we'll do some final thoughts here or, or whatever we want to close out. Give you a minute to share whatever you want to share, but. Um, yeah, man, I'm just, I humbled by your story and excited to, excited to share it with other people and excited to, I don't know. It's just so, so comforting to me to hear, um, I don't know, to hear, to hear you vulnerably share about all this stuff, you know, it's just not, I mean, that's my goal here, right? Is that we can, we can see the fact that. Uh, as guys, there's a, there's a muzzle on us in many ways, or and not everybody. It's different for everybody. But when we take the time and just go into it without fear and just share, what? Uh, it's like uh, there's we're all we don't need. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, yeah, not that no. we don't need self help. We don't. I mean, but that's this part of us. We don't need fucking gurus. We don't need. We just need each other. We need each yeah. other to be real. And, and so and, when you do that, when you share your real story, I just like, makes me feel great. And I learned a lot, man. Again, I learned a lot. I've heard your story many times, but this is, I, I learned more today. You know? And, and um, yeah. And I mean, I, um, I don't know. My story isn't, it's just my story. It's no, it's no, it's no, it's no worse. It's no better than anybody else's story. Everybody has a different journey. Everybody has a different path in this life. Everybody has a different set of circumstances. Um, and that's what makes us who we are. And, you know, there's been a lot of times in my life when I've had so much anger about the, the, the journey that was given to me and about you know the, the things that I don't have in my life and I've I've um, you know I've come to know and I've come to accept and be just incredibly grateful for the journey that was given to me uh, or the path that was given to me and, and because that's that's what defines me and I You know, I, I want I want other people to feel like that they can share and they can they can share their story and and provide. You know, because in their sharing they they actually give uh, the permission to for other people to share and if we can get to a place where we're more honest and more real with one another, we can start to know and understand each other on a different level. Um, and develop a greater sense of compassion and acceptance for people. Um, and I, I just, Man, don't, I, I got to add something. I'm trying not to be too didactic, but I have to add something to that. Be, because when <clears throat> there's this magical thing that happens when somebody else, like I hear you open up and share in a real sense, 
it's it, yeah, it connects us together. But then there's this other thing that happens, which is that you become more okay with your own experience going forward, right? It's like whatever, wherever I'm going, whatever I'm doing, like I can accept it more. I can be with it more. And right, that is that is huge. And yeah, I want to say I'm trying to I'm trying to find my voice here with the podcast and not be, not be too didactic and. No, but but, I, but you're but you're you're, abs- you're absolutely right. You know, you're absolutely right. And you know, again, I think one of the things that's that's probably the most powerful for me is we as men, as you know, we have we have strengths and and, and powers and a capacity to support and love that we don't even know that we don't even know exists. And when we, you know, you talk about gurus and look, man, I've, I've listened to a lot of, uh, uh, you know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts from, from a lot of big names and a lot of Ted talks and a lot of, you know, I've read a lot of books from all the the guys and like, man, I I give it up for any of those, those men that have, that have committed themselves and that, that are, that are, you know, inspiring people out there. But one thing I do know is that, we don't necessarily need that. Like we have, we have all of these tools. We have all these powers. We have all this strength within ourselves as men. And we have the capacity to, to, to do incredible things. And when we come together and we recognize that and we share that with one another and we hold each other accountable to that, um, it, it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a power. It's a strength that, that, that's unstoppable. Um, you yeah, know, and that's, a, that's a move. That's a movement that we're creating. Yeah. Uh, cause I, cause I believe that we, you know, we need this right now in this world, um, more than anything. Um, yeah. For me, for me personally, one thing in my, my own personal motto is, uh, um, or, or, or I guess there's, I guess there's two. Um, if you never try, you're always a failure. So, I've always pushed myself to try to, to, to push my, to do, just do new things. Um, but more than anything, I always tell myself to believe in the journey and just continue to believe that the path that I'm on is the path that was given to me by, you know, by this universe. And I need to keep following that path um, because it's my path and it's nobody else's. And I don't need to compare myself to anybody. Um, That's awesome, you know. man. That's amazing. I, I do think, yeah, just encouraging thinking about guys listening to this, like the, having a framework of the of the human journey or the of the hero's journey, which I kind of outlined earlier. I think I think it'd be really helpful because then you can, yeah, it maybe it can help you trust that what you're going through, you know, is part of a larger thing, and it's it's not just some chaotic bullshit, which it is too. But um, one other thing I want to say that I feel like what I downloaded through this or came to feel was. You know, I remember being a young man or, or you're talking about, you know, the adventures abroad and it was, you know, see more, do more, experience more. Um, I think what we're working on now with our groups and our retreats and our movement is, first of all, feel more and then ultimately be more. And I think tied to that is give more. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It makes me feel pretty warm and fuzzy inside the think about all that you know i'm we're not doing anything wild here we're just 
we're just living life and, and uh, you know, feeling what it's actually like and trying not to turn away from. Yeah. And, 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 you know, for me, um, you know, go back to the very beginning. Why, why this, why every man, why right now? Um, uh, selfishly, I, I want to be, I want to create a larger community so that I got more people that, yeah. that are, that are, that, that think and act and want the same things that I do and that push themselves deeper and want to have a deeper connection to themselves and to other people. Um, you know, I want more, I want more friends. I want to be able to connect with people in different cities and know that, that, Hey, like we've kind of had a shared experience and this is not like us talking the same language or any shit like that, wearing, you know, white clothes. This is just, Hey man, we're cool with each other. Like, I don't need to put up any like fake bullshit facade. I just need to be me. And I know that you, you know me and you respect me and you accept me for who I am because we go through life judging people and coming to all kinds of crazy conclusions about who somebody is before we even know them. And the people that are most important in my life are people that I never thought I was going to be friends with or be connected to. You know, we got to take off the mask, man. Take off the mask and move the bullshit aside. Start to create some real relationships with people. I just had the best idea. We got to wrap this up because I got to go. But um, let's both quick throw it a challenge to all the listeners. Just like a, like a concrete, measurable challenge. Like cha- challenge the world, Lucas. And yeah, I'll go first. You got one? You got yeah, one? Go, go ahead. My challenge to men out there and women and anybody is to um, do like five minutes of j- journaling about um, the things in life that you never address. And don't even do anything with it, but just like jot down. What are the things you never address? Is it a feeling? Is it a person? Um, and it's, you know, the point of this is it's uncomfortable, you know, but that, that's my challenge right now. Just my, my challenge, my challenge to anybody out there is spend a day. If, if you can do a day, I'm, 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 I'm grateful. If you can do a week, it'll change your life. Every person that you come in contact with, you know, whether it's a, uh, your local barista at Starbucks or the, the guy that checks you in at the gym or the taxi driver that you get in or whatever it is, look them in the eye and ask them how they're doing and say thank you and acknowledge them from a place that you're actually really acknowledging them. And just do that with every person that you come in contact. No matter how uncomfortable it is and the people that you don't want to do that with, do it with them. And then, and then sit and, and say, am I, do I not feel better? Am I, am I not more connected with myself as a result of that? Because we don't do that now. Yeah. We shy away from this interaction, you know? We, we, we're afraid to want to know. Because what if that person said, oh, I'm doing really, really shitty. Uh-oh, I don't want to hear about your shit. No, you probably should hear about their shit and start to understand the circumstance of what people go through. Um, and develop an understanding and an acceptance and a compassion for one another. 
good stuff, man. Thank you. Thank you for your challenge. Thank you for being on here. Is there, um, is there any self-promotion that you want to do now? Or I, I'm going to kind of wrap us up here and, and uh, talk about every man in our websites and stuff. So anything else, anywhere do you want to drive traffic or anything? No, no, just, um, you know, Lucas at everyman.co. Anybody wants to talk, get on the phone, share. I'm here anytime for anybody. Great. So, yeah, that wraps up this episode of the Everyman podcast. And you can find out what we're doing at Everyman. And we're doing a lot. And we're building a lot so that in the future we can do even more. You can see what we're up to at everyman.co. That's E-V-R-Y-M-A-N dot C-O. Like I said last time, um, we took an E out of every because the uh, domain was way cheaper. <laughs> and uh, um, you can find out more also at dan-doty.com. That's D-A-N-D-O-T-Y.com. We have events. We have, we're putting together a big expedition, a wilderness expedition in Montana and Wyoming. In part of it is in the boundaries of Yellowstone National Park. It's a backcountry adventure with uh, personal growth and brotherhood. Men's stuff involved is honestly without exaggerating one of the 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 like biggest dreams of my life is to put this on and i can't wait to do it we're doing weekend retreats on both coasts called open source and they have been uh i don't have to pull punches they've been changing lives they've been a blast and uh you're all invited and then finally our big overarching goal is to proliferate the creation of men's groups across the world because a weekly group where you get together and simply um, be open and, and real and vulnerable and share is a practice that can and will change your life and is a huge, just it just fills in so many holes of what we're missing. And it's a blast and it creates friendships. And if you look at the articles and the research coming out lately, men in our country are unhealthy and dying early because we are lonely and depressed and miserable. We don't have to be that way. So get it, get a group, get a group, get a group. It'll change your life. Um, and check us out on social, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Dan's a pro at that. Um, every man, E V R Y M A N and share this podcast, get it out there. Thanks guys. Take care.